Ronananian. We've got cars with safety devices, and we're creating devices that impede our ability to see, and then they become a distraction. I can see for miles and Car doctor. The cat, when I op- actually opened it up and, p- and looked inside, was not honeycombed. It had like little uh, chalky pebbles in it. Yeah, pellets. Sure, yeah, this is 88. Yeah, this is an 88, man. This is old. No, not as old as that, oh, yeah. but this is old. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, start your engines. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. That's the place to be. And we've got podcasting there as well as other sources of information and uh, always adding to it. Also out on Facebook, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. And without any further ado, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go over to Mark in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 96 Silverado. And a no start. Mark, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? I, yeah, I got a, a well, like you said, the Silverado that it turns over just fine. It just doesn't fire. Okay. And I didn't know other than the obvious, the fuel pump going out. I haven't had a chance to drop that or even get it plugged into a, a coder yet. All right. Um, um, this but I don't know if there's anything else that's well. Let's let's just yeah. Usual. You're on you're on the right track. I mean, you're thinking the right ways, Mark. You know, this is it, it turns over okay. It's got good cranking speed. Yeah. Okay. And it was it a case that you you were driving it Tuesday and you went out to start it on Wednesday and it just didn't start Wednesday morning or had the truck been sitting for a while? No, it was. I was driving it Tuesday. I stopped to load it up, at, and when I went to start it again, maybe forty five minutes later, it just went. It would crank over. It just wouldn't start. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's go through basics. Um, if you turn the key on without cranking it, does the check engine light light up? Engine off. Do you see a check engine light come on for up to five seconds and then turn off? No. Well, that's I don't believe so. Well, double check that. What I'm what I'm looking to see is if the bulb lights up. It's usually an indicator that the computer's awake. All right. Usually the bulbs will light up in bulb check. It'll light up momentarily and then go out. If they don't light up, it's usually a problem. Oh, yeah, when everything right. lights up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everything okay. lights up normally, okay. just, but it goes off again. Good. Okay. And then uh, I would, the other. The, sorry. No, I was going to say. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Um, well, the, the thing that was catching me was I, I would turn it because you usually hear the fuel pump priming itself. Right. And it does. It makes a noise. It doesn't seem to be the noise that I remembered it making before, but it still is doing something. Right. Well, you know, did the fuel pump die? And that's, you know, how many miles are on this? I'm sure it's higher. It's 20 years old. Uh, 160, I think. Yeah, so it's due a fuel pump if that's what it is. You know, the fuel pressure tap, I be- if I remember correctly, is on the driver's side rear corner. Um, I just remember being at Accessible. You can get a fuel pressure gauge hooked up to it and see what kind of fuel pressure you got. Um, you know, my, my, my suspicion is you're not going to have any if it's a fuel pump or if it's a problem. But I would start with a right. fuel pressure test, and then I would, if you can get somebody with a scan tool or if you can get your hands on a scan tool, this generation... Actually, I have one on order. It's just not here yet. Rats. Uh, because this generation GM, if you bring up uh, RPM, engine speed, and crank it, 
you'll use the PCM. If the PCM is lit up, it will show you cranking RPM while you're doing that. And then at least you've proven, and, and the value there is you've proven, one, the PCM is awake. Number two, you've proven the crank sensor is working because it's sending out a signal to the PCM and it can interpret it. All right? The, the, the next okay. thing I want to know is, you know, does it have spark? You know, let's pull a let's pull a spark plug wire off and and put a test spark plug, not a not a regular spark plug. Let's put a test spark plug or some means of a calibrated spark tester to 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 load the ignition system to see what we've got. All right, and you know you can. Okay. Spend... I had to check for you know diesel corrosion or anything, but it, it wasn't anything. Right, you know, but you know, do we do, do we have spark at all? Um, is this is this system capable of producing spark? Get out. You got an O'Reilly Auto Parts near you? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, get get out get out to an O'Reilly Auto Parts and tell them you want a, a spark tester, and they'll they'll sell you. It's either going to be a about a two inch piece of plastic, black plastic, with one end that screws out and it's got graduations on it that you can you know twenty thousand volts, thirty thousand volts, and so on, or you're going to come up with um, it'll look like a a regular spark plug with a an alligator clip soldered to it with an extended gap and the idea is that a, a calibrated spark tester loads the coil loads the ignition system as if it was firing under the com, uh, compression and the pressure of the cylinder itself so that way you know can the coil and the the cap and the rotor and wires can they can they hold up under under the duress of trying to run the engine it it simulates the condition and you probably won't spend you won't spend more than fifty dollars on this tester, and you'll have it forever, and it works on everything, uh, which is which is the neat part. So you know you you can do that. Um, you know, does it have spark? Does it have fuel pressure? If it has those two things, then we have to talk about it has it has or if it doesn't have spark at the plug, does it have spark at the coil? And we've got to go backwards from there. So you know those are the basic things you want to look for. This should be a spider web injection system. Um, this is, you don't see any external injectors, correct? This has the big black plastic plenum? Correct. Right, yeah. So this is the spider web underneath. They are prone to leaking. You can remove, I'm trying to remember now, there's a, there's a cover. There was something we used to pull out, and we would look inside there, and we would see it soaking wet because one of the lines failed and it was spraying fuel. But are you smelling fuel at all? No. Okay, so we're back to basics. Fuel pressure and spark, that's where I want to go with this. All right, and cranking RPM would be my first three things. Let's do that, and let's see where we go. All righty. All right, Mark, you let me know. When are you getting your scan tool, this week? Uh, Friday, I think it says it's going to be here. Okay, so good. You can do it on Friday. Do it Friday night and call me next Saturday. Tell me what you find. All righty. All right, kiddo, um, we'll, we'll hold a spot right, for you. you. You call right in. We'll get you right to the front of the line. Alrighty. Okay. Good. You're very welcome. Um, you're very, very welcome. So, hey, let's do a quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, I've got some pictures that I can share. I want to get a straight answer from a mechanic. I can't get one from mine because of excessive tire wear. Could this be shocks, bushings, alignment on a 2000 GMC Yukon? Uh, one transmission and upper engine rebuild, not bad for the Vortec 5.3. Tie rods and ball joints are tight. Wheel bearings are good. Tire has wear pattern on the inside that resembles scalloping and cupping, not feathering. Unfortunately, these photos don't show the scalloping well, but I felt it and seen it. Only happens on the front and the driver's side more than the passenger. Last wheel alignment at 358. Shocks at 352, but I've noticed uneven tire wear since 270. Thoughts? 
Um, thanks for the education over the years. I look forward to your class every week on podcast, Eric Bean. Um, Eric, looking at the tire wear, and it's hard for me, obviously, to show everybody else the tire wear here on air, but looking at the tire wear that's here, I'm sure the alignment is correct. Yeah, I would be thinking about, uh, if I understand it right, maybe it's been a while since it's been done, but I'd be thinking about shocks and bushings and, you know, do we have any tire issues? Uh, going down the road, how does this feel? Do you have any tire bounce? Is anything excessive? Um, I would also be looking at you know, springs. Uh, do we have a do we have a weak spring side to side, especially at this mileage? Something and 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 here's just a a kind of a crazy idea. When I get something that scallops, I'll actually have somebody drive a vehicle at 55, and I'll drive next to them, and I'll watch the tire. You know, what is that tire doing at 55 miles an hour? If I see that tire bouncing up and down the road, you know, that tells me that there's something in the suspension. And you know what I'm talking about from a we've all seen it out on the interstate. Those cars that are driving along and the tire sitting there. It looks like Ricky Ricardo hitting the bongo drum going down the road. All right. So, you know, we're looking for that. And just just to pay attention. Sometimes riding next to the car gives you more information than actually riding in it. All right. Also, think about how's the vehicle loaded. How are you driving? Just in general, all right, maybe not in your case, Eric, but you got to cover the basics. If anything in that front suspension is loose, you're going to have an issue. My 97 Ranger has a bad inner axle beam bushing. Not bad, bad, but it's, it's getting soft on the right side beam. And going down the road at 65, I can feel the wheel kind of doing the hula. And I know exactly what RPM it's going to have, so I either drive a little faster or a little slower. Um, haven't gotten to it yet because I have to take the I-beam out. Um, I haven't resolved how to do this yet because everything's rusted in place. Uh, and I will, but my point is rubber bushings can cause a heck of a bounce and a scalloping issue just like you're describing. So by all means, tackle it from that perspective. I would think more in terms of suspension and uh, suspension as far as shocks and springs and bushings more so than loose or tight components and obviously how well is the alignment done appreciate the question 855-560-9900 we're coming back right after this hey welcome back we're on the car doctor i've got a special in-studio guest with me uh this segment where's lucy i got i have lucy the studio pit bull in here with me lucy come here Lucy. come here She's 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 microphone shy. I'm sorry. She can't get up on the microphone. That's okay. You can hear her jingling around in the back. Lucy, you there? Yeah. Good girl. Okay. Yeah. National audience. Come on. Tell everybody what you know about cars. Okay. There it is. All right. Let's get on over and talk to uh, John in Baltimore. Hopefully, I know more than Lucy and uh, see what's going on here. 2010 Honda Accord with a misfire. Hey, John. Welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron. How you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Hey, so I got a uh, 2010 Accord, and I've had this car for five years. First three years, not a single problem. And then last year, was driving, and it misfired. Took it to my local mechanic. They replaced the spark plug. They said it was all fouled up, and I was good to go. A month later, I'm driving up to Jersey to uh, see family, and I'm in the middle of uh, Route 78. Starts misfiring again. Take it this time. I took it to the local Honda dealer up there. They told me that there was a recall out for a computer issue with the car. They did something to the computer. They said replace the spark plug. I was good to go. Then a few months later, I'm driving and it does it again. So this time I'm like, okay, there's something. Something else is going on here. So I do some research. And apparently these V6s have bad piston rings. Yep. And yep. It's not just the sixes. Um, it's not just the sixes either, John. It's the sixes. It's the fours. 
It's that okay. generation. It's from like 2008 through 2011 Accords and Odysseys. They they okay, all have right. this issue. Yep, there's a campaign going on for it for the Accord. It's 13-078, uh, and and they're they're going to replace pistons. They're going to clean the pistons and replace the rings, and extend the warranty for eight years, unlimited mileage. Oh, okay. Because that's because uh, see, I wasn't aware of that, and then it was, you know, I'm also it's burning a quart of oil every thousand miles like right. clockwork. Yep. Yep. And it's um. And, you know, like, I called the Honda dealer the one time when I was, like, the fourth time it did it, and I was, like, driving on the road, and they told me they couldn't get the car in for two weeks. Yeah, you know, which why? Was... You know why? Because they're busy doing everybody else's piston rings. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. and you, you know what the sin of this repair is, John? The, What's that? the real sin is, so, you know, and I've had a couple of customers go through this firsthand, so I'm going to talk from firsthand experience. The car comes okay, in the great. shop. It's it's usually cylinder three or four, all right, on the V six. Yep. Okay. Yep, mine's uh, mine's number three. Right. You know, I'll I'll put the plug in it. You know, when I first found this problem, I, I put a plug in it, sent him on his way, and I said, let's see what happens. It came back and fouled again, and I did the research like you, and I found the campaign in the bulletin. All right. Sent him down to right. Honda with the fouled spark plug. All right. The check engine light had gone out by now, but the plug was still. I still had the plug in the car. They didn't want okay. to. They all they wanted to do for him was they wanted to do the PCM update and the spark plug because his their his mechanic, meaning me, wasn't qualified to predicate what that vehicle could possibly need. Then they proceeded <laughs> to you know they gave him a they gave him a loaner vehicle, kept the car for the better part of seven days. And okay. fi- and finally ended up, you know, they took the engine apart, put rings in it, so on and so forth, down the road. He's had the car back about a year and a half now. Hasn't had an issue. But it flaws me, or it, it just, it astounds me that we're buying something, you know, an Odyssey's a $50,000 vehicle. Right, and right. we've got vehicles out there with bad rings, and we're going to have the mechanic take it apart in the bay. And I, I, I... Did I pay for that technology? I thought I paid to get a $50,000 car with, I don't know. I just, right. you know, and at the 42,000-mile mark to have this problem? Right. Um, and my car, this one has, you know, 97, I'm right at 97,000 miles. Right. And, you know, the other thing is I've read some other people that have said, you know, they took the car in. One guy said he got 200 miles, and then it started fouling again. And it seems like... You know, there might be that the fix doesn't actually fix the problem. I haven't seen or heard of that yet. In all fairness to Honda, uh, my experience has been that when the rings are done, if they're done properly, it seems to fix it. But what I don't like is I'm taking, you know, an engine engine rebuild is major, is open heart surgery. It's major. And I've got to hope the guy doing it isn't the B tech or the C tech. I want the A tech on it. I want the guy, because my experience, now I will talk from experience, my experience is in dealer world, you know, it becomes an assembly line. You know, the A-Tech teaches the B-Tech, the B-Tech knows, hey, here's how we do these steps, it's 42 steps, take it in, take it out, disconnect this, disconnect that, assemble it, put it back in. But can the B-Tech think outside the box like the A-Tech? And I think, I think you know, a, a ring replacement like that is ATEC material, but the ATEC costs too much, so they give it to the next cheaper guy in the line. And that's my problem with this, that my concern is who does it. 
Um, that right. that repair is only as good as the tech and the and what kind of a day the tech had, because this is major stuff. Um, you know, in, in the case of this customers of mine, it was a forty two thousand mile four year old vehicle. Um, right. I would have I would have sold it. Uh, but here's the here's the big crime. All right. And here's the one that I hear nobody talking about, John. All these Accords and Odysseys out there burning oil, like you're saying, a quart of oil right. every thousand miles. What's that? What's that doing to the catalytic converter? And that's my other concern. Is I, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm getting her- horrific gas mileage. I'm burning oil like it's going out of style. And all I can think about is what else in this machine is just getting trashed because right. this engine is right. running so right. poorly. Right. And, you know, sure, they'll fix it. And, you know, it's and I guess part of my complaint is it to me, it's stupid. Do a software update, put spark plugs in it, see what happens. Oh, it happened again three months later. Okay, put another set of spark plugs in it. Now rebuild the engine. That three months of running it or that month of running it or however many thousand miles you went pushed an awful lot of oil through that exhaust system around that catalytic converter over those O2 sensors so if a typical Honda Cat failed at 150 just by normal age and mileage, did I knock 20,000 miles off of the life of it? Did I knock 30,000 miles off the life of it? I sure as heck right, didn't extend exactly. it. I didn't extend the life of it. And it, exactly. it, it just, you know, listen, there's a reason why I, 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 I don't say it often, but every once in a while I think I understand what the word Honda means. You know what Honda means? <laughs> I don't. Had one, never did again. And you know it's recalls it's recalls like this that make me just think like what are they doing, all right? Yeah. You know it's right. it's it's to me, you know my father had a rug business and I remember him coming home as a kid, you know my father passed early so this is a real old memory. I remember my father coming home sitting at the kitchen table eight thirty nine o'clock at night telling my mother he had to he had to go redo some carpeting at somebody's house that he had put in five years prior. And my mother said, why? It was, you know, it was five years of use. And he said, because there's only one chance to annoy a customer. There's no such thing as a new one. It's just somebody that, you know, came from somewhere else that wasn't satisfied. If I was Honda, I would I would just do the rings firsthand. But I guess right. they're worried about cost and, and customer satisfaction goes out the window. I, um, I fault them for it. Let them do the recall, John. Let them do the rings. Let them do the plugs. Uh, I would mention catalytic converter to them. It would be interesting to see what kind of answer you get. And uh, if you do pursue it with Honda and you get anything in writing, send it to us. And uh, you're always welcome to come back and report. Let us know how you make out. We're here for you to do whatever we can. 855-560-9900. Ron and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Running the car doctor rolling along this hour. Let's get over and talk to Carl in Norwood, New York. Some comments and questions about sludge. Hey, Carl, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Well, thank you above all, and I really appreciate the call. And uh, your gentleman handler, Tom, he uh, was perfect host. But well, in any case, 70 years of age, career automotive, never had a problem. My best agent against sludge on a filthy engine has always been the short story a quarter dextron and i do it a certain way and all it did was reduce the problem get the engine relatively cleaner and no bad effects like valve train cam and lifter anything i heard 
Right. Uh, you're 10 to noon then, and I listen with my ears up. I heard you mention brake fluid, and I, in my years in the trade, have heard of all kinds of what kind of fluid to bust sludge, but this topped it. And Dextron, good old-fashioned generic GM, you know, no friction modifier, basic ATF, what it does is strip layers of crud from valve spring decks, pan and screen, old Fords and Buicks with plugged fine mesh screen. Get the oil pressure the minute they crank after the treatment. And depending on judgment, vehicle condition, symptoms, I'd use one quart of Dextron to five, total of five quarts of oil. And if it was severe, two quarts, pop the hood, verify good coolant temp and good operating shape otherwise, and set it for about 1500 to two grand and pay attention to it. Drain it red hot, fresh, clean oil and filter. Yep. No problem. Yep, yeah, and, and, and Dex is actually, and just so you understand, when we were talking last week on the show and mentioned sludge and brake fluid, brake fluid is not the first step. It's my last ditch. Oh, boy. If all else fails. All else fails. That is my, that is my you know, plan B. Uh, Dexron is part of my plan A. There's a couple other additives I'll try as part of my plan A. But I will always go to brake fluid if I have to, um, Which, you know, because it's, it's a concern. Fluid does kill what it's already did. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. At that point. Exactly right. And that's why I, that's why I said it then and I say it now and I've always said it, you know, as long as we all put on our big boy pants and understand the ramifications of what we're doing, um, you know, it's 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 one step short of, OK, if this doesn't work. I'm junking it or I'm building the engine. And, right, you and, are. And, and, and what I do find, no exception, because I did it since the 70s on largely flat tappet vehicles, uh, it will not unplug impacted, loaded hollow push rods at all at all. But a coat hanger and a dip in the carb tank will. And by that time, if the engine's that dirty, your push rod ball tips are probably less than round. So new push rods is the easy cure for that. Yep. Yep. But yep. getting rid of deck sludge, and after that, if the vehicle warrants it, I will change the valve seals, and I don't go stock. I dislike any friction type, you know, pressed on the guide valve seal because the O-rings are heated and rubbed. I like white nylon umbrellas that stay on the valve stem and their umbrellas nowhere. You you are an old school mechanic, Carl. Believe. Yeah. Um, absolutely believe. And I grew up on Mopar Flathead and Chevy Babbitt Pounder 6s, and I <laughs> love them. What year did you start working on cars, brother? Um, 1963, four. I was then 16, and I still am between the years. I never grew up. Yeah. I was a Ford engineer who never owned a Ford product, so there. Mm. So you By the way, Ron, may I ask a question? You sure may. Some weeks ago, because I've heard you since the end of 16, and your appointment Sunday morning, period, I never miss, you cited acronyms on vehicle initial names, and I missed the one about B-dub. Oh, you're going to get... What does it stand for? You're gonna, you cited Honda the last call. You're going to get me in trouble, Carl. You know, everybody hates it when I do this. Don't you know what VW stands for? I'm asking... V- virtually worthless. I had three diesel 
rabbits from 81 to 91, the third being for the misses. And the only question about those vehicles, 81 and 4, were when do we leave and where do we go? Right. Yeah. Um, Volkswagen is one of those car companies that I think over the years has lost their way. I, you know, oh, they have. Yeah, they they really have, and that's that's when VW became that to me. I had a very, I have a very dear friend. Uh, we we grew up. We were we were fifteen, sixteen years old. Started working on cars together. Uh, Russell, he's down in North Carolina now, and you know he was the Volkswagen king, and I was the Chevy guy. And right. you know Russell transformed and morphed into the VW dealership, and I grew into an independent repair shop. When Russell got out of Volkswagens. 15, almost 20 years ago now, and I I looked at him, and this was after he was in it for almost 30, 25, 30. I said, you know, maybe my memory and the time span's a little convoluted there, but I said, why? And he said, because they've lost their way. He said they're just he said they're just neck deep in electronics that they can't even diagnose and they can't give us explanations or answers on how to fix anything, and it's only going to get worse in time. And and absolutely, the more if it's not there, it can't fail. And look at the heated cup holders and uh, parking assist. The more you have, the more you have to fail. And also partially ex-railroad diesel. And if it's not there, it can't break. Simple. Keep it simple. I just read a a report in a class by Steve Zack from Bosch Automotive. And Steve's a a personal friend also. And he he just wrote a class about lane departure warning and advanced radar control for how they're going to get cars to manipulate and maneuver out on the highways and byways. And it's it's staggering. The the amount of technology, it's I'm reading the report and to me it's like you're reading the review of a fighter jet. And I can't imagine what a fighter jet is like if this is what it takes to control the car with, with radar through the glass and to the point that you can't use um you know how we we, we use Rainex from time to time? You can't use Rain-X on a car with uh, radar and collision avoidance because the Rain-X will actually affect how the radar quality is, and it can cause the car to skew, and it won't do what it's supposed to do. So, you know, schmear on the windshield will affect the stability of the car, self-driving and otherwise. Where are we going? Well, you know, we valiate to 92, 3, and 4 when Fomico with their Cephe engines with the air intake, that it was forbidden to clean them with any fuel solvent because it would dissolve the Teflon and make them stick. That right. to us was a gripe. I guess we were picky. Yeah, no, listen, I remember I remember the decal on the throttle bodies. Yes, indeed. And it was a yellow decal, black ink, and they would have a decal on there that says, throttle body not to be cleaned may cause damage. So you wouldn't clean it. And guess what? Three years later, the car would come in wheezing and gagging and stalling, and you know, what did you do? You cleaned the throttle body, because by then somebody came out with a non-caustic cleaner that wouldn't hurt anything, and you were gingerly about it, and you fixed the car. You know, all this technology, and we'll, we'll leave it here, all this technology, Carl, is great. But the problem is, every time we create something new, something whiz-bang, something phenomenal over the top, we're, we're, we're increasing the circumference of knowledge that's needed in order to repair it, and we don't give it enough time in, in, the, in the practice tank, and basically consumers become the beta testers for today's car companies to decide does the product really work. That's why when you see a good car, you buy a good car. There's a couple of them out there. 
um, I see from time to time that really get it right. Carl, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your comments and thoughts, and uh, you have yourself a good rest of the weekend. 855-560-9900. Ron and the car doctor coming back right after this. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome back. Ron and the car doctor. See, that's why cars from the 60s and the 70s were great. Nobody's making rock songs up about she's real fine, my Volkswagen rabbit, right? I mean, just you don't hear anybody talking about it and revving it up and recording it on a soundtrack so um anyway let's get on uh just i couldn't resist let's go over and talk to harley north sutton new hampshire with a 97 ford probe harley welcome to the car doctor how can i help yeah ron i have a 97 ford probe gt i know unfortunate name but i didn't name it no it's okay uh at any rate um fuel pump didn't work i dropped the tank down uh put a new fuel pump in it um the uh filler uh was rusted out, uh, got a new one of those, put that in, put everything back together, turned the key, and no fuel pump. Still no fuel pump. So the, the question becomes, do we have a problem? We've got to have a power problem with power leading up to the pump, no? Yeah, it's a brown wire coming off the uh, PCM. Right. Um, well, it's it's the fuel pump on that is going to be fed off the fuel pump relay going through the inertia switch. Have yep. you have you tried resetting the inertia switch just for giggles? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, do you have power going into the inertia switch through the, from the relay? I do. You do. So do you have power at the fuel pump itself? No, I don't. So where's it getting lost? That's what. Yeah, that's exactly. That's, 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 um, that's, I'm that's, just wondering if that's it's the question. I checked the PCM. The PCM seems to be all right because I am getting power through that brown wire. And then it goes into my relay, and somehow it gets lost from there. And I'm wondering if there was something to do with the, uh, I don't know, the timing. Um, I know the guy that had it before me uh, put a new belt in it. No, 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 no. Listen, the let's 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 go back to basics. Okay, um, think of it like this. And this is this is you know you don't you don't hear me say this is a mandate. This is a mandate. This is the way it works on a Ford. You turn okay. that you turn that key to the on position. If the PCM has the ability to wake up before you crank it, it will energize the PCM. The PCM relay wakes up, which then energizes the fuel pump relay. All right, which then energizes the fuel pump. If the mm-hmm. PCM doesn't see RPM for you know after a two to four second time period, it yeah. turns it turns the pump off. So, you know, nothing else has any bearing here. It's not a a camp timing issue or anything like that. It's, it's got, one's got nothing to do with the other. Um, if, if we've got, if the fuel pump relay is being energized, all right, there's, that's telling me then that, you know, the fuel pump relay feeds off of, um, it comes down off the relay. It feeds through the white yellow and comes out the white yellow and goes down out the blue, which then feeds the fuel pump is what I remember right on the wiring diagrams. Well, um, the, the fuel pump relay is not being uh, charged. Okay, so the fuel pump relay is not being, not being, uh, not being up. hit with juice. It's not clicking. All right. So if that's the case, how do you know you just don't have a bad fuel pump relay? I bought another one offline. Okay, and you plugged and it in. And I put that in there. And actually, I had uh, another one sitting around. I tried that. That didn't work either. I thought maybe that was a bad one, so I, I went online and picked one up. Now, if you ground the fuel pump relay, does the pump run? 
I can jump it. Okay, you can jump it and the pump runs. Yes. So you're not getting signal out of the PCM? Uh, apparently not, but th- there is that wire coming up out of the PCM that I, I am getting a, a, a slight voltage that's supposed to energize the, um, the fuel pump relay. And it's, and it's not energizing. And I'm wondering if I have a bad ground somewhere. Uh, very possible. That, that ground, if I remember right, it goes into splice 286, coming off the fuel pump relay. It joins to the data link connector. But that's a light green wire at the data link connector. And if I'm not mistaken, you can ground that green wire and verify this with a wiring diagram. You can yeah. ground that light green wire, or that, that, yeah, that light green wire, and the fuel pump relay should close. That light green wire, I should ground it. Make sure it's make sure it has a ground. Right. Yeah. Look at look at you know. Do me a favor. Look at the uh, look at a wiring diagram because we're we're fooling around with wires and computers here, and I'm going off memory. I but, have like three of them, so yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, let's take a look at it. But you've got you know first thing we want to do is do we have power coming into the relay on the control side, and then the feed side. Boom, done. We've got power. All right. Okay. Then we want to know what's you know. If we energize the relay, if we provide ground to the relay, ground is ground, relays are relay. If we provide ground to the relay, does the relay energize? And if it does, will it flow current and voltage through the inertia switch out to the pump? At that point, the pump's got to run. All right? If the pump doesn't run, what's the pump missing? The pump's got power. Does it have ground? Well, like I said, I can jump it. There is a... um I'll tell you what. I can remember Sit. the name of it, but you, you, there, there's a uh, control box just to the uh, light side, uh, the front of the vehicle. Um, you flip it open, and there's like uh, five or seven wire. Uh, no, no. Hey, I'll tell you what, Harley. Let me pull over and take this pause. I don't want to dump this call. Stay right where you are, babe. Don't go away. Let me, let me go out and do this and come right back. I'm Ron Annie and the car doctor. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Real quick, we're on a time stretch here. Let's get back to Harley. Harley, you're there. Harley? Yep, I'm okay. here. So listen, babe, i got a couple of minutes, not much. So okay. let's let's do it like this. The, 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 the data link connector on the driver's side fender. Right. You know where I'm talking? Yeah, I think that's what I was referring to. Okay, it's got a light green wire on pin 22. Yeah, okay. All right. You should be able to ground that light green wire. All right. Well, you should jumper that to ground. And the fuel pump should run, does it? Yes, I've okay. done that. So if the fuel pump runs, if it runs when it's grounded, then you want to make sure that the light green wire between that connector and the PCM, the powertrain control module, on yep. pin 27, just check it for an open circuit. Did the wire get cut? Is it a bad connection? Okay. If that wire can be grounded and the fuel pump relay activates, yeah, you might have a bad PCM. The driver and the PCM might be bad. So then you've got to start some PCM diagnostics. The way I would go about that, or part of what I would do to include that is, I would verify, you've got to uh, verify power and grounds going into the PCM. Mm -hmm. All right? If you've got power and grounds going into the PCM, and if I remember right, there's three powers and four grounds. I can't recall at the top of my head, but there's more than a few. Get a wiring diagram. If you've got all your powers and grounds, then it sounds like a bad PCM at that point that it lost the driver on that leg of the circuit. No. Real quick. Harley? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you were going to say something? You know, I was wondering, can I get that PCM reflashed? Yes. 
Ford is by far the easiest PCM to get flashed. There are a couple of places out there selling used. Oh, getting yours reflashed to fix it? No. That PCM is likely bad and will require replacement. So diagnose it. And if you have any doubts, call me next week and we'll go over it again. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 